It's good to be together today. We've got a uh, one of our fathers, members, special brother preaching this morning. Eric is um, it's about to uh, ask you to open God's Word, and uh, and through Eric, I, I trust that God is going to speak to us. Um, so with no further ado, let's just welcome Eric as he uh, brings us a message from God's Word. Good morning. So turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. When you have it, just say amen. I'll give you some time to uh, turn. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 through 11, it reads this way. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Let someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let us pray. Gracious God, Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, God, asking, Lord, that you will prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, Lord, to receive your word, Lord, this morning. God, we know, Lord, that as we open up your word, this is where we meet with you. God, so we ask that our time together in your word this morning we ask, Lord, that it would be fruitful for us, God. We ask, Lord, that souls will be saved. Lord, we ask, God, that we would be convicted by your word. Lord, that we would be encouraged and built up. God, you've given me a task to do this morning that I'm not worthy for, God. I know that I'm not sufficient, Lord, to declare your truth to your people this morning. So I ask, God, that you would give me grace this morning, Lord, to speak to your people. Lord, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys ready? I'm ready, Tony. In, uh, in 2001, Nancy Wogelmith, she wrote an article on, in a, on um, FamilyLife.com, a website, where she contrasted the characteristics between proud people and humble people. So she wrote about maybe 15 different characteristics that she used to describe proud people. So I'm going to share with you 10, 10 of those 15 characteristics that she used to describe proud people. She says this about proud people. Number one, proud people focus on the failures of others. Number two, proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. Number three, 
Proud people are self-righteous. They look down on others. Four, proud people have an independent, self-sufficient spirit. Five, proud people are concerned with being respectable, with what others think. They work to protect their own image and reputation. Six, proud people are self-protective of their time, their rights, and their reputation. Number seven, proud people desire to be served. Eight, proud people desire to be a success. Nine, proud people desire self-advancement. And lastly, number 10, proud people have a drive to be recognized and appreciated. So upon first glance, as I was um, you know, preparing to speak to you guys and I was reading this article, the first thing that came to my mind, um, my initial thoughts were of other people when I was reading those characteristics. And what I mean is, it was easy for me to see pride in, in other people. But as I began to, as I began to um, you know, read the article a few more times just to get familiar with it, I began to see that those characteristics, they weren't only true about other people, but they were true about me. Like, I can say that they are true about me. By, by the grace of God, I begin to see, you know, the different ways, um, you know, in which I was guilty of, of pride, different ways that I was guilty of acting, you know, in prideful ways in my life. I think, you know, pride is one of those sins where it's, it's kind of easy to recognize in, in other people, but it's, it's hard to see in yourself. But I believe if, if you all, if you all are honest this morning, you know, if you do some soul searching and you examine your own hearts this morning, um, I believe you'll begin to see the different ways in which you too display pride in your life. So I want to talk to you this morning from the theme of pride and its antithesis, which is humility. So pride and humility. C.S. Lewis he refers to pride in this way. He says, pride is the utmost evil. He calls pride the essential vice. Um, John Stott, he refers to pride as being the essence of all sin, meaning pride, pride could be considered that sin that, that leads to all other sin. It's like, it's like the root from which all sin grows. Now today, you know, we live, we live in a culture where, we live in a world today where pride is really not viewed in that way. You know, pride, today, the world we live in, we consider pride to be more of a virtue. But I still believe that, you know, pride is a sin. You know, just like C.S. Lewis said, it's the utmost evil. Um, in fact, in the Bible, Psalms 10 and 4, David says this about pride. He says, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts or there's no God. In other words, proud people are so consumed with themselves that their thoughts are far from God, right? They're, so when we're, we're filled with pride, like our thoughts are far from God. We're, we're not thinking about God. We're just thinking about ourselves. And if you're always, you know, if you're always looking at yourself and you're always looking down on other people, then you can't see what it is that's above you or who it is that's above you. 
But let's be clear. There's a difference between, you know, the kind of pride that God hates, which we'll talk about this morning, and the kind of pride that we feel from, from doing the job well. For example, a few weeks ago, um, my wife, she graduated from college. Um, so th that day, that was a very proud day for, for me and my family. Um, to the fathers in the room, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that we take pride in being a good dad, you know, being good husbands. To the women, I'm pretty sure you, you women take good pride in being good moms and good, good wives. Um, we all take good pride in being, you know, good co-workers and being good neighbors in our community. So when we refer to pride in that way, that's, that's not considered a sin. This morning, I want to examine, you know, the sin of pride. But what actually is pride? Like, how can we define pride? Um, when, I was, when I was studying, I came across a few definitions, um, three, three definitions to be exact, that I thought were very honest and true about, about pride. Number one, pride is the desire to lift up and exalt ourselves beyond our place as God's creature. Number two, Pride is self-worship. And three, pride is taking glory that belongs to God alone and keeping it for ourselves. Now, I believe that inside of us all, every human being that was ever created, right, we have this deep desire to be recognized and, and to be honored. And sometimes I believe that leads us to selfishly pursue um, praise and, and admiration and, and applause from people. Um, and I get it, you know, I get it in a sense. You know, who among us wouldn't want to have a good name or a good reputation, right? Nobody in this room wants to be thought of as a jerk or, you know, the, like the scum of the earth. So, you know, everybody wants to, you know, want people to think, think of them, you know, highly and, and in a respectful way. So I get it, um, but the problem is when, when we make the pursuit of our own honor and praise, when we make that the end goal, that's when that's a big problem for us. That's when it's considered to be a sin, right? So, and that, that should never be the case. Um, we were created, right, by God, not for ourselves, but for him. So our, our purpose in life should not be to pursue our own honor. Our purpose is to pursue God's honor and his glory. But we, we see this kind of prideful behavior um, in our text this morning. In verse 7, um, Jesus, he noticed how the people were choosing the place of honor. Or that could be um, interpreted the chief seats. They were choosing, you know, the places of honor at dinner for themselves. But in this passage this morning, Christ, he's teaching us that, that we should be humble. If we look at verse 10, instead of being motivated by pride to, to choose honor for, for yourself, right, Christ advises us to take the lowest place. In other words, we must, we must deny ourselves. Right? Uh, rapper uh, Kendrick Lamar, he has this song out. I'm pretty sure some of us know the chorus that goes to that song. Right, It says, sit down and 
be humble, right? So that's what, that's what Christ is teaching us this morning, to sit down and, and be humble. Now, we know that pride is not, is not easy to overcome. But at the same time, we know that the word of God, um, he's calling us to display humility um, in his word. But my question to you is, why should we be humble? Right? What motivation do we have this morning to be a humble people? I believe in our text this morning, um, we have three, three motivations for us to be humble. Just to give us some, some background of the text this morning, Jesus, in Luke chapter 14, he's having dinner at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, if you don't know anything about them, they were um, a very religious group during Jesus' day. They were considered to be um, the elite of society. You know, they held a high-ranking position in society during Jesus' day. They, they were a group of people who opposed Jesus at every turn in his ministry. Um, they were very self-righteous people. They had a superior attitude about themselves where they looked down on other people. So those that society considered to be the outcasts during Jesus' day, like the, the poor, uh, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the tax collectors, the Pharisees, they looked down on those people. They, they looked down on them. They looked at them as being sinners and themselves as being righteous people. So the Pharisees, they were very prideful people. Um, they always made it a point to pursue their own honor and, and praise. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse 43, Jesus says this of the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. So these Pharisees, they were more concerned with what others thought of them more than what God thought of them. And this morning, I wonder how many of us live our lives in that way. Like, are we more concerned with what our family thinks of us or what our friends think of us or, you know, what our co-workers think of us or what our, even our church members think of us? Are we more concerned with what other people think of us than what God thinks of us? You know, at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, God's approval is all that matters. But we, we see the Pharisees in in our text, in verse 7, they're seeking out the place of prominence. They're seeking out the chief seats. Um, if you know anything about the seating arrangements at a dinner, um, at a dinner during that time in our text, the seating arrangements was like this. You had the host, he sat at, at the head of the table, and the seats that were closest to the host were occupied by those that were very important. So those were the, the seats of honor. The seats furthest away from the host, they, those seats were occupied by those that were less important. If you think of it like, you, if, if any of you have ever attended like an NBA basketball game or you watch basketball on TV, you know the courtside seats, they're occupied by, you know, the wealthy, those that are of high rank in society. So you will never see me sitting in, in courtside seats. <laughs> You know, unless unless my wife, you know, unless she buys tickets for me, 
there's no, there's no way that I would be sitting in those seats. So, you know, like if you, if you watch the New York Knicks play basketball, you know, you see all sorts of celebrities sitting in those seats. Um, one celebrity in mind that comes to my mind is, is Spike Lee. You know, he's a famous producer. He's always there. Um, if you watch the Toronto Raptors play basketball, you might see a certain celebrity rapper there. Drake. Drake. You might see him in attendance. Um, and even at Los Angeles Laker games, you might see Jack Nicholson in attendance. That's right. I think he still goes to the games. But so these seats um, have a certain amount of prestige to them. They're like the ultimate status symbol. So in our text this morning, the Pharisees, right, the people were pursuing the place of honor. Like they wanted those, the chief seats, so that they can be seen by everybody. But Jesus, he sees, he sees right through that prophet ways, and he immediately tells a parable to correct that foolish behavior. In verse 8, Jesus, he uses the picture of a wedding feast to teach us all an important, lessons, an important lesson about humility. At first glance, if you read this parable, it, it seems that Christ is modeling to us, you know, the proper uh, dining etiquette. But if, if we examine this scripture in its, in its right context, if you look at the verses that precede it and the verses that, that follow it, it becomes clear that Christ is not teaching to us dining etiquette. He's, he's talking about kingdom etiquette. He's talking about how we ought to behave in his kingdom. So he's teaching us, right, that we should be humble. The humility is a very important mark in God's kingdom. So you see, Christ, he's the host in this passage. And this morning, he's inviting us all to, to dine at table with him, to, you know, to accept the invitation to eat at his table in heaven. He's inviting us all. And my question to you is, have you accepted that invitation? Like, this moment, are you currently sitting in heavenly places, eating with Christ Jesus in this moment? So Jesus, he goes on to warn us in this passage about the folly of, of profitable behavior, of, of putting yourself forward, of being motivated by selfish ambition. Looking at verse 9, he, he actually borrows from the writings of King Solomon in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 6 and 7, where it says, it says, do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. You know, pride, I'm sorry, I lost my, you know, pride and arrogance, while they might be the recipe for success, you know, in the world we live in, it's not so in, in God's kingdom, right? God is calling us all this morning uh, to be humble. But what, what, is, what actually is, is humility? Like, how can we define humility? If, if, we, if, you are to, um, if you can turn with me for a moment to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. I believe this passage gives a, a perfect picture of what humility is. It gives a very clear definition of what it means to be humble. 
Starting at verse 3, it says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So according to the word of God, humility means counting others more significant than yourselves. Humility means not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Humility means to empty yourself, to deny yourself. So looking back at our text in Luke 14 and 8, I believe we find our first motivation to be humble. And that motivation is this. Our first motivation to be humble is this. No one is deserving of a seat at God's table. I'm going to repeat that one more time. No one is deserving or worthy of a seat at God's table. Now, right as I said that, I can probably think of some of the responses or, you know, some of the thoughts that might be circulating through your mind right now. Um, Some are probably thinking, like, wait a minute, like, what is he talking about? Like, surely I'm I'm worthy of of an invitation to God's table. You know, surely I'm worthy of, of God's grace, of God's mercy. But, but why, why do we think that way? What, what would make us deserving? You know, maybe, you think, maybe we think we're deserving because, you know, you pay your taxes. Or maybe because, you know, you don't cheat on your wife or you don't cheat on your husband. Or maybe because at heart you just feel like you're a good person, you know, compared to you some of your friends or compared to, you know, the people you know, you know, that you're a good person at heart. Um, maybe you feel like you, you have a pretty respectable, you know, reputation in your community, in, in your neighborhood. So maybe all these are the reasons why you feel like, you know, why you feel like you're deserving of, of an invitation to, to eat with God. So does this sound like you this morning? Are these thoughts, like, circulating through your mind this morning? Or maybe you are, you are at the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe you're thinking more along these lines. You know, I pay my taxes. I mean, I pay my tithes. Um, you know, I come to church faithfully. I come to community group. I come to Bible study. Um, you know, I, I share the gospel with people. I, I witness to people. I fast twice a week, so maybe, maybe you're thinking more along those lines. Again, I ask you, is this you this morning? Like, are these thoughts running through your head this morning? In verse 8, Jesus is teaching us this morning that the invitation to join him has nothing to do with our worthiness. It has nothing to do with what we do or don't do for God. He says, in verse 8, he says this, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. 
So why, why shouldn't we, we sit down in the place of honor? And the answer is very simple. I believe it to be a very simple answer. And that answer is because at the end of the day, we're not worthy. We're just not worthy. Further along in Luke's gospel, in chapter 18, Jesus, he tells another story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, some of you may be familiar with this story. And I know this is my daughter. This is her favorite story. Um, She probably can tell it better than I can. So I know she's paying attention right now. So in this story, right, Jesus, he says, two men are going to the temple. They go up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. And if you know anything about the relationship between the Pharisee and the tax collector, right, I already said that the Pharisees, they were the religious elite, you know, in Jesus' day. They were considered to have, you know, hold a high rank in society. The tax collectors, they were at the bottom of society. They were like the outcasts. So these two had no dealings with each other. So So the Pharisee, the story goes like this. The Pharisee, he goes to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, he's standing off by himself, and he prays this way. He says this. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, that I'm not like this extortioner, that I'm not like adulterers, that I'm not like the unjust, that I'm not like this tax collector. The Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Now, Listen to the difference in in the tax collector's prayer. The tax collector, he couldn't even lift up his head to heaven, but he beat his chest, he beat his chest, you know, beat his breast, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Again, he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This tax collector he was, he was justified in the sight of God. He was accepted by God. His, his prayer was accepted by God. And it was accepted because he, genu- he genuinely showed humility. He realized that he had nothing to offer God in and of himself. He realized that he was a sinner and nothing more. Now, looking at the Pharisee, the Pharisee, he went through his checklist. He checked off all his boxes of his do's and don'ts, right? And he tried, he thought that all the things that he did or that he didn't do was enough to commend him to God. He thought that was enough to merit an invitation to God's table. But we see he was, he was wrong. We sing a song here at the garden. Um, we haven't sung it in a while but the title of that song is called Not In Me. Now, I won't display my musical talents this morning. <laughs> my, my grandmother, who's in attendance, she, she, she wouldn't uh, be too happy with that. So, um, so I'm not going to sing it, but I will. I do want to read the first verse of that song. It says this. It says, no list of sins I have not done, no list of virtues I pursue. No list of those I am not like can earn myself a place with you. Oh, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner through and through. My only hope of righteousness is not in me, 
but only you. These lyrics, they sound a lot like the tax collector. They sound a lot like his prayer. So are, you, are we trusting in our own merits this morning? Like are we going through our own checklist and checking off the box? Are we trusting in our own ability to do good? Or are we more like the tax collector? Right? Have you ever trusted in the sinless Savior? Our second motivation uh, to be humble is this. We should be humble because pride leads to our downfall. I'm going to repeat that. We should be humble because pride leads to our downfall. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Now, as they were investigating the cause of this crash, it actually, it was, it was revealed that the cause of this crash was pride. It wasn't, it wasn't like a technological pro- problem like radar malfunction. Um, it wasn't, you know, bad weather or like a thick fog, but it was pride. Reports came out that both captains of the ship's were aware of the other's nearby presence. Right? They knew of the other's nearby presence for at least 45 minutes. But because of pride, they weren't willing to yield to one another. Right? They weren't willing to consider the other's nearby presence. And by, by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. Um, you know, the crash happened and over hundreds of people died that day. So Jesus, he's warning us of the great danger of pride in our text this morning. Look at verse 9 and in part of verse 11. We learn that those who seek to exalt themselves, those who put themselves forward because of pride, will be brought low by their pride. Verse 9 says, and he who invited you both will come. And say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Verse 11 says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. You know, we live in a narcissistic world where seeking our own glory is like the status quo. You know, that's the way of the world. We live by the motto, you know, the old army slogan, the the be all you can be motto. You know, the world bombards us with empty philosophies about, about seeking honor for yourself, about putting yourself first. Today, humility is viewed as weakness today. But brothers and sisters, we, we are God's creatures, right? We, we have to be reminded that we didn't create ourselves. There's but one creator, right? And his name is God. You know, pride is not something new. It's not something that, you know, just showed up like five years ago. If, if um, we remember the story of Satan, right, how Satan fell from heaven, how he was kicked out of heaven. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, the prophet Isaiah, he gives, he gives an account of how, of what led to Satan being kicked out of heaven. It says this in Isaiah 14, 
starting in verse 12, it says this. How you are falling from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to shield to the far reaches of the pit. In those words, can you see how clear Satan's attitude of, of pride? Can you see how clear like he, he displayed pride in, in his words? I counted five I will statements. He says, I will ascend to heaven. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Satan wasn't thankful with his position as being one of God's holy angels, right? We know that Satan was created by God. Satan wasn't always evil. He was created by God to be a holy angel, to worship God, to serve God. But Satan wasn't happy where God created him and, you know, his position. How many of us are like that this morning? Like, are you thankful for where God has placed you? You know, for the job that you have, for the community you live in? Like, are, are we thankful? Now, we know the rest of the story. In Genesis chapter 3, we know that Satan, he then turns around and he, he tempts our, our first parents, Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, we know that God forbade Adam and Eve to eat from a certain tree in the garden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, you know, you guys can eat from any tree in this garden but this one tree. So Satan, he comes along, right, in the form of a serpent, and he tempts them through pride. He says this to Eve. He says, he says, now, if you eat from this tree, you will be like God. Now, this, this comes right directly after God said, look, you cannot eat from this tree. But Satan says, surely, look, nothing is going to happen to you. If you eat from this tree, you can be like God. Now, how ambitious is that? Who, who among us in this room wouldn't have ate from the tree? Like, who wouldn't want to be God? Who, at some time in your life, didn't think to yourself what it would be like, you know, if you were in God's place? In God's place? Now, after they disobeyed God and they, they ate from the tree, we know the rest of the story that they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So pride um, led to their downfall. And after they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, after they disobeyed God, the rest of the human race, that means all of us in this room, right, and everybody that came before us was infected with that same sin, was infected with the sin of pride. And we need God's grace this morning more than ever to change our hearts and to humble us. Because our first instinct is to rob God of his glory and to exalt ourselves beyond our created position. That's our first instinct in life. So let us, let us, te- let us take heed to the examples 
left to us by others who have fallen because of pride. The book of Proverbs 16 and 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. You know, pride is the quickest way down, whereas humility is the quickest way up. Our third motivation to be humble this morning is this. We should be humble because God promises to reward us. I'm going to repeat that one more time. We should be humble because God promises to reward us. Now, we find no greater example of the act of humility being rewarded than Jesus Christ himself. Let's turn back to Philippians chapter 2 again. Verses 8 and 10. And it says this. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, in our text, but back in Luke chapter 14, verse 11, right, Christ promises that those who humble themselves will be exalted at the table with him in his kingdom. But the pride of the Pharisees, they rejected God's invitation. Right? They thought that they were good in and of themselves. They thought that they were worthy of the invitation. So they rejected God's grace. They rejected it. And that's what we do when we are so filled with pride, when we let our actions be motivated by pride. We reject God's grace. You see, humility is required for entrance into God's kingdom. When we as sinners realize that we have sinned against God, that we are deserving of his wrath and judgment, then we can humble ourselves and put our faith and trust in the one who is supremely worthy of all honor and praise, Jesus Christ. Um, There's an old hymn. I promise not to sing it. I promise. But there is this one line that, that sticks out to me, and it says this. I'm not sure the name of the song, but the one line that sticks out to me, it says, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Brothers and sisters, we have nothing to offer God. Right? We have no righteousness of our own that will commend us to God. We need a righteousness that is not our own to, to stand before God and be accepted. But th- this is where we see the beauty of Christ. He lived the perfect life, meaning he obeyed his father perfectly. He obtained a righteousness for us, right? He, he died on the cross for our sins, to make atonement for our sins. And he was raised three days later. Now he sits on high at the right hand of the Father. And when we humble ourselves and receive his invitation by faith and repentance, then we too can sit and recline at table in his kingdom. We need God's grace to 
to humble us all this morning. Remember the example of humility shown to us by Christ Jesus, right? It says that he emptied himself, right? He didn't put himself forward. He, he didn't choose the place of honor, but instead he took the form of a servant. There is only one who is worthy of all praise and honor. Let us not seek our own glory in this life. May our ambition always be in this life. May it be to honor the one who created us, the one who saves us. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. It says, whether ye eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So just think of the, the smallest task that you have to do in life whether that be drinking a cup of water or just eat, eat, eating a simple meal, the Bible commands us to do it to the glory of God. That is, a, that is our purpose. That is why we are created. That is why we were created. All that we have in this life was given to us. Nobody in here can claim that they created anything. Right? It was given to us by God. Paul says when he, was, when he was addressing the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, and just to backtrack a little bit, the Corinthian church, um, at times they were guilty of being a, a prideful church. You know, God had blessed them with a lot of, you know, with different gifts, different spiritual gifts, and instead of boasting in God, they boasted in themselves. They began to worship the gifts more than, than God. So when Paul is addressing the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Brothers and sisters, we are to glorify God with the gifts and the talents that he has given to us. Right? We are not to pursue our own honor in this life. Um, I believe in the gospel of believe in the gospel of Matthew, um, the disciples were walking with Jesus and they were arguing about who was the greatest um, in, in, in God's kingdom, which one of them was the greatest. And Jesus, he teaches them, he says this, he teaches them about humility. He says, in order to be the greatest, if you desire to be the greatest, you must, be, you must become the, serv- the servant of all. Right? He, basically, Christ was saying, if we want to be great in God's kingdom, right, we must humble ourselves. So as I prepare to, to sit down, that went by like quick. Um, As I prepare to sit down, I I just want to leave you with this. I just want to remind us all, um, we're not worthy to remember that we're not worthy to sit at God's table. The invitation has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with this gracious God. Right? Our prideful behavior will lead to our downfall in the end. Right? We are sure, we are surely to 
to be humiliated and to to be shamed, you know, by acting in, in a proper way. If if that's what you want for your life to, to be humiliated, then by all means, you know, go ahead and be motivated by pride. But God, He He wants us to be humble. And he promises to exalt us, not in our time, but his time. Let us pray. Gracious God, Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, together, Lord, to go into your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, just for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. May we remember this morning, God, that the invitation, Lord, has nothing to do with us. God, that we're not worthy. Lord, let us not be motivated by pride, God. But may we, Lord, remember the example of Christ Jesus. Lord, may we seek, Lord, to live out that example every day, Lord, in every aspect of our life. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.